0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: Good morning. You're listening to 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 855
0: 5 AM. And we've actually got a really great show. Yeah, yeah. So um first up like so last week we spoke to Dispossessed who are down here for the Brunswick Music Festival. Uh and so we'll be playing uh that in two parts and maybe one of their songs in between. Um and then we'll be speaking with Shakira Hussein about the Christchurch um and the uh, following media coverage since then. Um and then and then at eight
1: o'clock, we're going to be having some folks come in from the Party Project who are doing, um, they both have this really great Instagram platform called Seshed, which is all around drug education and harm reduction. And they're also running a training next week as well. So they're coming in to chat with us about that. And then towards the end of the show, we'll probably be sharing some updates about the Japeron
2: protest. Uh, this is um, not uh, the end of it. Um, uh, mob are still coming. Um, supporters are still descending on the land. that's still um, getting here um, to the landscape. So, um, yeah, very, very, um, very pleased. Um, but at the same time, I'm very saddened that we have to come and, and do this to, you know, to save what's, what's, what's our religious and our cultural uh,
3: beliefs that we are in kin with. Yeah. I think that's just about it. Thank you.
1: Do you want to
0: put that one? Oh. So we, we were just hearing from um, Zalanak, who's, up, um, who's been at Japparong for the past or since last year. Um, and so what we've seen uh, on Tuesday was police came in uh, to try and um, get some work started and get some bulldozers in. Um, and so there was a call out and quite a few uh, number of people came out and um, police ended up getting evicted off, um, off off the land.
1: Yeah, it was... A, I think it was been around 24 hours. There was over 100 people who managed to get up there um, to the site to support the sovereign custodians at the Jabron Embassy, which is being threatened by yeah, VicRoad's attempt to build a highway, essentially to, you know, reduce drive time by three minutes. Three minutes. Like, That's it's ridiculous. totally... Ridiculous. And we'll, yeah, later in the show, we'll be able to go into that in some more depth because even though, you know, they did have a win, they were able to um, get police off country um, on earlier this week, the fight isn't over. And so we'll be, yeah, sharing some updates and also really calling for support later in the show.
0: Mm. Um, I think uh, now we'll just go to a few CSAs and then we'll go straight into the.
4: Join me, Sally Goldner, the presenter of Out of the Pan, for a live broadcast on International Trans Day of Visibility at Hares and Hyenas on 31st of March 2019, organised by Transgender Victoria with 3CR. With co-host Mama Alto, we'll be moderating a live panel discussion about issues, experiences and intersections between and about trans people of colour. Get your tickets online at tdov2019.eventbrite.com.au That's tdov2019.eventbrite.com.au Or listen live to the discussion right here on 855am on digital and streaming online.
0: Help FreeCR support the rights of Indigenous Australians. They mean to save our culture and save our dreams, our
4: footprints, dreams, our song line and keep our culture going strong. Of
5: course, a lot of the Aboriginals, having been stolen, were put into state care, and also others... The
6: ...recognition were... of what our people have been through in the last 200 years, the recognition of our culture in the last 40,000 years, and the recognition of where we are heading into the future.
2: Welcome to uh, Survival Day,
0: Invasion Day. 223 years ago, the white man landed on our shores. Subscribe to 3CR and help keep Indigenous voices on air. Call us on 94198377 or visit 3cr.org.au. Subscribe now.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's eight past seven on the 21st of March. And up next, we're going to be hearing from an interview that Sherry and I did with some band members from Dispossessed. Uh, so, we, we chatted with Jacob Cummins and Harry Bonifacio last week in the studio. We'll be hearing about 20 minutes of audio first up from them.
0: Okay, so we're here today with two band members from Dispossessed, Jacob and Harry, who played a gig last night at the, Bro- at the Brunswick Music Festival, but at the Mechanics Institute. Um, good afternoon, guys.
6: Goodavo. Good afternoon. Cheers for having us on.
0: Hi, no, always, always welcome. Um, I suppose, do you want to just start off with like telling us a bit about you guys and telling us a bit about Dispossessed and how it started?
7: Um, yeah, so my name's Harry. Um, my background is like my dad's a Jewish, moved from the States. My mum's Filipina, moved from the fields uh, First of my fam born here. Um, yeah, and I've been in Dispossessed for about three years now after like a short stint. Um, not being in it, like, somewhere in the middle. Um, We started off, yeah, just wanting to play punk music because I think a lot of us had come to the punk scene in search of, like, something of political substance. Um, All kids who had, like, had some sort of anger directed towards the city. Obviously, when you're a kid, it's a bit directionless. Um, And, yeah, we came in, we just, you know, we wanted to be firm on, like, breaking that stagnation, like... You know, getting what we wanted out of the punk scene. And like I guess organically, you know, it was always about um like united in our like colonized identities. Like and obviously you've got to draw that back to the fact that we're living on colonized land. Um and so that's always been like a, a core part of the band. Um and now here we are three years later still doing it, a bit more punishing like than it was three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um
6: well yeah, I'm um my my makeup's um Italian, Irish and Gamilaroi. Um both my both my parents got Gamilaroi on both sides as well. Um, dad's from Baraba, mum's um, from Gunada. And I reckon there's probably like maybe three people that'll listen to this that know where those places are, but that's <laughs> alright. If you know like kinda of near Tamworth Morey, all that. Um but yeah, for me it was um just like growing up, especially um with really fair skin, like It was more, especially because our families, um, like my parents and particularly their grandparents, like really fell into the colonial trap of as soon as you could get away with not talking about that you're a black fellow, you didn't. Um, So it wasn't something I really knew about until you know I was like just before I was a teenager, Um, and then it wasn't really something I identified with um, until I was probably about 17 or 18. Um, yeah, and I just started, um, yeah, I met a bunch of, like, really, really staunch blackfellas, and, um, other, like, blackfellas with fair skin as well, because that's, at the the start, it was always like, oh, you know, I'm not really Aboriginal, I'm only part Aboriginal, but now it's just like, no, I'm a a blackfella. And one of the best, like, um, analogies, um, an auntie said to me, and it's, like, pretty common as well, um, is that... You can, um, you know, you make a cup of tea, you can add milk, you can add sugar or whatever, but it's still a cup of tea at the end of it, regardless of how much milk you put in it, which is, um, yeah, that was like kind of really helped me like come to terms with that, I guess. And, you know, remind me that I'm, I am, it's not just a part thing. Um, and yeah, and through over the years I've like gotten, um, and I'm still, Still on the on the journey, but yeah, I've just like ended up like re- reconnecting with family I didn't even know existed, and they're really helping me um, affirm that connection to culture and country um, that I didn't grow up with, which is like really deadly. It's um really cool, really cool. And then yeah, I guess uh, like leading off of all of that, um, and just having been a a musician for however many years, it was just something I wanted to push through music. Because, um, like, listening to political bands when I was younger, I was like, "Yeah, this is sick." You know, there's more substance to it. It's not mm. just your standard crap. And um, yeah, I um, started a band with with Jared, the drummer. And um, yeah, one day he rang me up. He's like, "John, play guitars in Dispossessed." Like, Obviously. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, that's um, pretty much how that went. So it's good to have a a really solid creative medium to spread the kind of messages I want to do it and with a bunch of amazing people too.
0: I suppose maybe we should talk a bit about um, Dispossessed first, so like the idea for the band mm. and that sort of thing. Um, and maybe do we want to talk about the whiteness of the punk scene? Or
8: Yeah,
5: yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Have, we, have we got yeah. enough time to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs>
7: yeah. I mean, yeah, like... I came into punk because my dad, like, chucked new bands like Bad Brains and that kind of stuff back in the day. And, you know, like, I just remember that, like, iconic album cover of, like, you know, the White House being struck by lightning, like, such a powerful image. And so that was always my foundation for punk, you know. It was, like, a little bit of, like, teen angst, but always being like, nah, you're like, you're like that for a reason. Like, there's stuff happening that makes you feel this way. Um, so I started going to punk shows around, like, 15, 16 Um, sometimes just looking for a reason to, you know, split my head open and get a bit rowdy because I was a dumb teenager, but like when that wears out, you know, you're there being like, what am I here for? Why is everyone shouting? Um, and you know, I'm not going to gloss over the fact that there were really good bands like around the time, um, who were saying stuff like, for example, like Palmer Grasp was a like emo band from Western Sydney. So like I already, I already connected with them on that basis coming from the same area, but they... Did a lot in terms of um like being like uh, queer people of color like up at the front and like talking about those issues and I guess I really owe a lot to those like strong like small but like staunch undercurrents that were in punk because those are the kind of people who ended up taking me like more or less under their wing when I was young and giving me direction that I otherwise wouldn't have gotten um, and so as that developed you know you're sitting there and you're going to more shows and you're seeing a whole bunch of people just rocking up every week week, so they've got a reason to get on the piss and punch on for nothing, like Mm. just bullshit reasons. And, yeah, you know, you just got frustrated with it. You're sitting there and you're like, you got, you know, you can drag in 200 people into this room, but you can't get 10 of you out to a rally, let alone like one or two people out to like a proper action. And you're sitting here saying how much you hate Sydney. Well, why don't you do something about it? And so, you know, being young, arrogant kids as we were, we were like, well, okay, let's get up. And we, we got up there with, you know, with our chest puffed out, admittedly being like, wear the breath of fresh air you need. Like, you know, we're all teenagers at the time being like,
8: hate all of you. It's like,
7: we're going to war with all of you. Like, and for, for a little bit we did, you know, like, cause we were just fed up. But I feel like us and like a few other bands at the time, um, really provided a kick up the ass, like for Sydney, um, like obviously not us alone, like and not us predominantly. It it seemed like this like convergence of thought. Um, you know, obviously like um a whole lot of political issues were starting to make the headlines and you just can't ignore it. Um and yeah, I guess as time's gone on we've figured out more and more how to not just speak about it but put it into action. Mm. Um and how to like utilize space especially. Um how to you know, realizing that no matter where you gather here, you're gathering on stolen land, and you're gathering somewhere that has been violently taken but not ceded. So, what are you going to do about that? Um, and that's always been at the core. And yeah, I'm glad to say that I think we're still trying to build upon it, um, trying to build upon our practice and stuff, and trying to get like yeah, heaps more of the communities around us involved. And I'm starting to see, slowly but surely, like stuff moving, and that that really gives yeah, this picking up, hey? yeah. It gives you the energy to keep going because it's like, cool, sweet, like, you know, more hands make for lighter work. Let's do it. And so, yeah, even in the midst of that, there still is part of the punk scene that's like really apolitical and really like, and it's just like, you live in Sydney, man. Like everyone likes to think, you know, it's just this postcard city, but like, like where we came from and like our upbringings, like really show that there's like this grimy, like not-so-nice side of Sydney, you know, and it, it just touches onto the point that it's just, you know, it's built for whiteness and it's built for mm. extracting profit. And so it's like, if you hate this city so much, if you truly mean that, then you'll be part of tearing it down and you'll be yeah, part they just, of Yeah, don't just sit there complain it. about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I feel like it speaks to the Australian culture a little bit that people, instead of being motivated to action, they're more motivated to, like, drown their sorrows or... Um, just I don't know, directed at each other, or I don't quite understand it. Like, but there's definitely like a a degree of apathy or a degree of like misanthropy that is like in the space where political passion could be. Like, yeah, and yeah, that's just that's my beef with a lot of the punk scene. Like, <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Hey? Yeah, it's like, yeah, and going back off like the the same reason like I started listening to political bands because there was more substance to it like it that obviously translates into the local scene as well yeah um and yeah but it's i guess it hits home a lot harder when it's people that you actually interact with and it's like you could be doing so much more and yeah like Harry said as well you know like they'll complain about absolutely everything um and then do absolutely nothing about anything and it's like, well, you, you can't really sit there and complain non-stop if you're not going to actually get up off your ass and do something about it. And then after that comes the, you know, the fact that people will fight for things that are not, yeah, like, you know, all the, um like, keep Sydney open bullshit at the moment. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure, um, like, yeah. you know, music venues are important and I'm not going to, like, discredit a lot of the validity of the argument, but... It's you know when people are getting up and that's the start and end of their activism is yeah. keep Sydney open and um, they'll like, talk about how oppressive the liberal government is and it's like yeah there's black blackfellas dying in remote communities yet you just you know like oh no I can't get a get a fucking yoga bomb after twelve o'clock like <laughs> shut up
7: yeah it's just, like, <laughs> uh, just like you know you're coming like from meetings where the families of people who have died in custody are like, we can't get more than 150 people out to this rally. Next minute, like, with, what, like, a week's notice, you get 20,000 people out to fight for their right to munch pingers. Mm. And it's just like, are you for real? Like, I was like, yeah, the same thing. It's like, I, like, hate these laws, and I hate the people who enforce them, like, like, as much as you, you know? But why don't you fight the police state like you mean it? If you were part of the movement you wouldn't be here in the first place. Like, this wouldn't be a problem. Mm. Like, and it's just, yeah, it's, I, it speaks a lot to, like, hedonism, I feel, and speaks a lot to people who are just like, you know, um, for all that, um, Joel Spring and a few other people put together a banner that said, whose land are you partying on? And I think it was good because it, like, I think there is a mentality around Sydney and I guess across Australia of, like, oh, I don't care, I'm just going gonna, gonna to keep dancing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to think about it. I don't have to think if I keep dancing. Like... And it's just 100%. like nah, disrupt that, like that you can't just get away with that, like just ridiculous, yeah, I guess that feeds into the punk scene as well,
0: I suppose it's like the 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 broader the broader thing, right, yeah, um so you know Australia being founded as a castle, yeah state, yeah, you know? and yeah. what we're seeing like you know we we know. We know the figures, like yeah. indigenous people that in here, here are the most incarcerated people in the world, yeah, and that sort of thing. But then, you know, that's not heavily talked about in the mainstream because yeah. not only did, do you then have to confront your settler, you, 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 and your position as a settler on this land, but also it delegitimizes the Australian state, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Australian yeah, Australian 100%. That's suppose, do you guys have? things to say to that
7: yeah i mean like i guess we try and yarn about it on stage as much as possible Mm. like yeah because i feel like nowadays we're trying to um really push the line that we've heard a lot of elders say um in organizing spaces which is like this incredibly generous um line that i guess quite a lot of settlers don't deserve which is like we feel like i've heard elders say we feel a custodianship to everyone who's on our land despite everything that's happened And so, like, we get up there and we're like, you don't understand that the issue of sovereignty is key for everyone at this point. Like, the prison system is not only locking up blackfellas. You know, where I grew up in Bank Sound, like, the area, like, I knew young Muslim kids getting their doors kicked down by riot cops for doing an assignment in high school. Like, you knew kids, like, getting put on ASIO watch lists for, like, sweet FA. And they, like... There's quite a few people in other communities who, like, poor communities are being over-policed, ethnic communities are being over-policed, queer people are being, like, incredibly mistreated inside prisons. Like, this involves all of us, like, and it's just trying to push that. It's just, like, um, realising that this is what it all comes down to. You're living in a prison colony. You're living in an active prison colony, and that defines all the oppressions that are happening here. But if we can attack that at the base... Then we not only find a bit of unity in the struggle, but it gives a bit of direction instead of mm. like everyone off doing their own little movement, not really talking to each other. It's like no, 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 no. Like let's, we all benefit from. Let's this. go with the root. Like, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so that's how I see it at least. Mm. Yeah,
6: and especially like for us all being from Sydney, <clears throat> um, which really, as like as you've put it before, because like it is the heart of colonialism yeah, in this so-called in. country. Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My bad, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, But, yeah, and it, it is because, you know, that's where First Contact was. Um, and, you know, it's especially um, challenging, the narrative that we were all taught in school. And, like, yeah. even though the education system, like, is somewhat coming around and there is a little bit more of um, black history in it, it's still not telling the truth yet okay. yeah not it's not close to that and um but one thing i i learned recently was um when they first landed um they had to set up farms on Norfolk Island which is uh like in between New Zealand and New Caledonia um because they were copping too much resistance to be able to set up farms to feed themselves in Sydney and that's like i never learned about that in school yeah. you know it was just like, oh yeah, like it was, a, it was a language barrier, and some people got a bit angry, but overall it was all right. It wasn't too violent, even though we've got a shield with a musket hole in it in a British museum from that first contact. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was also like a, a powerful thing for me to learn as well. Like obviously it was like horrible. That is another thing that's been lied about and was is probably like becoming close to being completely erased from history. But the fact that there was that much staunch resistance that arguably the strongest navy in the world at the time had to outsource food, and if that island wasn't there, they might not have been able to invade. And that's a really powerful thought. Yeah. And, yeah, just, I guess, you know, continuing to challenge that narrative and, um, yeah, really enforcing and getting people to realise that, um, you know, like, like, um, revolution... Sorry, not revolution. Um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Liberation. Liber. <laughs> Too many words in my head. Um, liberation for for blackfellas is liberation for everyone that that lives on this land, like regardless of whether you're white or not, and just yeah, literally for for everyone here. Um, and that's why it's just so crucial that we all have to band together because, yeah. um, as much as, as you know, as rampant. As racism is, um, the ruling class and the state are the ones that we really need to go after. Um, of course, there's a lot of people that aren't in the ruling class that are incredibly racist. Um, we can see that from everywhere. <laughs> I was going to say a specific one. I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Um, and yeah, it's just realizing that you know, it, people. I feel like. Um, People, especially uh, like working and lower class, um, regardless of their background, really do have a lot more in common. Yeah. Um. In yeah, in this island-shaped prison that we all live in. Yeah. Um. And once we can, once people can wake up to that and realise that that is the case, um, and that we're all in the the same boat, so to speak, then we can yeah cut the head off the snake that is the colonial system. Yeah, hard out. Mm-hmm.
0: And like. Racism, like, I'm just thinking about just what you were saying with the sort of different class-based racisms and stuff. But, like, it's it's still used as a tool. Yeah, the press up To maintain, yeah. like, their global empire. Yeah, of course, whatever, yeah. Like, like,
7: it's yeah. like, you know, like, what Jakey was saying about, like, lower-class people having so much in common. Mm. I've seen so many times where it's like, you should be mates, you should be talking to each other, but it's just, mm. like, these BS, like, arguments, like, or just, like preconceptions that they have of, like, ethnic people mm. or, mm. like, just dividing that. And it's like, you are going through the same oh. thing right now. Yeah. you are both angry because the coppers are giving you shit. Yeah. Why are you angry at each other? Like,
0: <laughs> But plus, they, they get it from things like the Herald Sun
6: as yeah. well. Yeah, like, exactly.
7: Yeah, it's like, all, like, regulated yeah. by media. So. Exactly.
0: And regulated by the elite yeah.
7: classes. Yeah. There's definitely well. someone who benefits off of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you are
0: just listening to... um jacob and harry from dispossessed we caught up with them last week last friday when they were down in melbourne during the brunswick music festival um and they were just pretty much just talking about that dispossessed as bad and the whiteness in the punk scene and the apathy in the mainstream and i suppose australia is a carceral state as the first half um we'll just uh go into the second half just after a a few more community announcements
9: Are you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter.
3: We know you love our 3CR Radical Radio t shirts, and so do we. They're 100% cotton and Australian made, and you can get one for just $30. They come in black dark gray and a cool light gray to nab one of these
0: beauties drop into the station at 21 smith street or order by phoning 94198377, or you can visit us online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop come on you know you want one
9: Hi, my name's Sybil. I'm occupying a tree sit, which is tensioned off by crazy spiderweb of tension ropes surrounding a an extremely sacred tree um, out here just off the highway in Ararat. Um, the government wants to build a new highway and eradicate some very ancient sacred trees to indigenous people of this area. Um, I'm currently occupying a tree sit to stand in solidarity with Indigenous people and ask the government to display their respect for this sacred land and to not continue the genocide of this country.
0: This is 3CR 855 uh, AM. It's 7.30. Uh, We'll just listen to the second part of the uh, interview we did last week with Dispossessed. Well, I suppose, like, um, if we can bring it back to, like, your music and yeah. how, how how do you guys sort of, like, all sort of talk about this and dissect these issues mm. and sort of, you know, cut the head off the snake, so to speak, through, yeah. through the music, through um, Dispossessed?
6: Well, yeah, I mean, especially with our, you know, with, like, gigs and live shows and that, um, a big part of it for us is um, the yarns we have in between songs, because... You know, it's like, we can't, it is loud and heavy and fast, and we can't hand out lyric booklets at every gig for everyone, <laughs> like we're at, like, fucking church or some shit. So, um, <laughs> you know, you can write long posts um, or do pamphlets or blogs or whatever, um, but, and they do have their purpose, but Purpose. I'm not saying they're useless. They are very helpful. But when it comes to a band, um, when you're on stage, that's the time where you have the most people paying complete attention to you. Um, apart from you know a handful of like people who will just like talk anyway. But still, mostly it's like really good and everyone is completely and wholly listening to what you're saying. So that's the perfect opportunity to actually break things down, mm. speak about it, then um, and. It's, yeah, I think uh, apart from, you know, personally having conversations with people, it's the best way to actually engage and get people to resonate with what you have to say. Um, And, yeah, it's a really useful tool and it's, um, you know, I guess in the system we live in, it can't work well enough, but it does work really well for us. And, um, yeah, that's proven by um, people who've, You know, people who've just wandered in and not really known what's going on and they leave with an actual consciousness and then hopefully end up turning that into action. And um, the amount of action we've been able to both take part in and assist uh, through fundraising and um, how well that's gone at some gigs. Obviously, that varies on how many people are at the gigs and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's just, um, I guess, small small steps to... Because, you know, realistically, there's there's only so much a, a band of four people yeah. can do. Yeah. And no one can ever do enough until everything is burnt to the ground, yeah. basically.
7: I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as Jakey said, at the end of the day, it's just a band. But, like, I guess, like, lyrically, it's about, like, bringing those, like, helping people, like, imagine and visualize these scenes a bit more and... Perhaps also like, you can just go crazy in metal lyrics. You can do whatever the hell you want. Like you can <laughs> fantasize about. If people can fantasize about wizards and Vikings, I can fantasize about Sydney burning to the ground. Absolutely. Like, like, and I th- to be quite honest, That's I think it's a bit harder than some fools in Norway talking about how they were chopping their heads off of someone or other. Someone tell Varg Vikens to come to Parramatta. <laughs> Varg Vikens, if you're listening, bra, you come to their area, but you won't. You won't. You stay in France, you pasty little fool. <laughs> um, We're gonna have the
6: whole black metal scene like <laughs> leaving hate on our page. Like, how dare you insult violence?
7: <laughs> you would not run up against the boys. You would not run up against the crew. You wouldn't, but test the wall, Yeah, it's like it's about like you can have a radical imagination. I think that's really powerful, and you see that a lot in like past resistance movements where they're, you know, reclaiming the imagery of their cultures that were destroyed um, and refusing to let it go. And, you know, it's like, at the end of the day, we're just a band, but if there's, like, you've got to start somewhere, you know? Mm. Old mate Paul Kelly, little things, big things grow. And grow That's out. it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love yeah, 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 share Paul Kelly. Hit me up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, and just, I suppose, just one last question, to just before we wrap up. Mm. Um, so you just mentioned it just before, Jacob, um, the fundraising, Mm. so like that's a, that's a big part of your, your gigs and that sort of stuff. Um, do you want to talk a bit about the sort of fundraising stuff you've got on at the moment? Yeah, sure. How Uh, people can get involved if they want to.
6: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, one of, one of the main ones we're doing at the moment is, um, raising money to get water to, um, communities up on, um, country, which is like, that's my mob, that's my people. Um. But, yeah, there's a pretty pretty severe water crisis up there. I think we did touch on it briefly last time, but um, for those who weren't listening, um, basically, yes, there is a drought, and it is kind of bad, but it's never been like this, simply because it's not only natural factors that are um, weighing into it. So, like, there's corporate um, cotton farms that have redirected all the water out of the rivers um, into their private dams. These are rivers mm. that... Um, you know, missions and uh, other remote communities uh, were, it was, you know, it was their life source. Like, water, water is life. As, um, And now it's completely dry. Like, there's, um, there's parts that do have some water, but, you know, it's not more than ankle deep and it's no good either. Um, mm. There's th- all these, uh, like, all the missions and that, you know, they don't have, the town's never built them uh, plumbing out there, even though they're not, it's not that far to most of them, but they don't have plumbing. So, yeah, of course, they lived off the water um, in the river. Some do have bore water, but from all the mining and um, runoff and, like, everything, the bore water is heavily contaminated, so it's not safe either. Um, people have been getting, like, real sick from drinking it, um, getting sores and rashes all over their body from bathing in it. Um, the amount of dehydration admissions in Moree Hospital is like, I can't remember the exact number, but it's either tripled or quadrupled in the last three yeah. months because people living up there um, with no running water when it's like, you know, a cool day in summer is like 39, 40 degrees. And it's, they feel like it's safer for them to not drink at all than it is to drink the water that's available. Um, and parts of the water that's been um, re- well, I'm not gonna say redirected, the parts of the water that's been stolen. Um that wasn't for cotton farms. Um, a bloke who owns horses took some to put in his dam for his horses to swim in. Yeah, so and then, you know, it's kinda of becomes clear once you take that into account, so there's like council members that are in on it, plus corporate cotton farms who obviously have everyone important in their pocket to see why nothing's getting done about this, um, and if you you can go any any mob any point in history, you can see that the system has tried to wipe us off the face of the earth. Has done it multiple times before. It's still doing it, and it will continue to do so. Yeah. And that's just the reality that of that we face every single day. Um, and so yeah, we're trying to help out as much as we can in that regard. Like uh, it's we've been basically going up um through or with a a group called fire um fighting in resistance equally um and distributing water around the communities there, so there's been a number of trips um Harry and I have gone on like two or three yeah, I think they've done a few um the crew that's like going up and like volunteering to drive and distribute is getting bigger, which is really good um obviously, the more hands, the better with that um but yeah, it's just um it's really heartbreaking because you know driving up and distributing water, as, you know, obviously we love doing it because it's required, and plus that's, you know, that's my people, I'm not going to ignore that, but it's not sustainable either, it's not something that can continue to happen, the council really needs to pull their head out of their arse and stop, because, you know, it continues to go, people are already getting sick, people are going to start dying, um, and that will... started dying. Yeah, you're right, sorry, my apologies, they have started dying, Um, and, yeah, Kids like younger than ten, um, and it's just you don't hear about it the only the only time you hear about drought and lack of water is you know when like white farmers like sheep are dying, it's like cool, fuck sheep, <laughs> my aunties are like dying, you know, um, and obviously, yeah, like going go going back into everything else, like when we we're talking about death in custody or any any issue that mob, or even, you know, non-Indigenous people of colour face, like, there's no uh, representation in the media. Mm. Um, so people just don't hear about it, and through, most times, like, through no fault of their own, people just don't know this is happening. Um, so, yeah, I guess, like, spreading spreading that um, through our gigs, and then, in turn, raising money, and then, it's also been good doing the trips, too, like, not only because, um, like, I'll get to, you know, like, uh, like, spend time on country. And that's really, like, it's just really good for my head. It's as horrible as it is, like, seeing the conditions. But, um, making sure as a band that we are, you know, we're not just getting up and talking about it. And even though fundraising is good, we're not just fundraising. You know, we're yeah. translating all of our essence into direct anti-colonial action. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, very important. Um, so that's, yeah, that's still going. Um, if you you can hop on there'll be posts about it on our Facebook page, but um it would be best to follow fire on Facebook <coughs> there's just fire fighting in resistance equally um they've got a fund set up that you can bank transfer to um and yeah that money just goes directly into purchasing water and um getting it up there, and yeah, and then we distribute it around um the communities there yeah uh that's probably the main one at the moment yeah um. Did, um, do you want to speak about Arnie?
7: Yeah. Um, yeah, and then another one we try and get around is... Um, is So um, me and a few other people back up in Sydney run a group called Anti-Colonial Asian Alliance, which is trying to um, get the Asian community to realise that we have a lot in this as well. And so we've got a community fund for our Kamilaroi family, family um, who have lost members to, um, you know, deaths in custody um, and are still struggling to... You know, keep their family afloat. There's kids there, there's elders there who need as much help as they can. So just trying to raise a bit of money, help them out with, like, groceries and school fees and whatever the hell, whatever we can. Um, but, yeah, like, I guess going back also to the water run, like, um, the reason why it's important to do these kinds of things, um, you know, community funds, water runs, like these types of actions is because they're snapshots into what this country threatens to export to a lot of other people and does already um so it's like when you are seeing families in you no know, poverty because of intergenerational trauma or you're seeing like communities out there um you know watch their land turn into a desert it's like you know we get up there on stage and we tell people look listen this isn't going to stop with them this doesn't stop in Colorado and it doesn't stop in it doesn't stop in you know um any of those places like, should it, like I said at the gig the other night, you should have taken that dust storm as a warning. That was completely out of character. Um, mm. Like, these things need to be acted upon now, and we need to figure out how we're going to act about them as communities, you know, um, and figure out how we're going to do it um, under the leadership of First Nations people now, because it's the only time... It's the only way we're going to be able to survive this as it gets worse. Um when we're out there doing the water run and we went out to the Barwon River and it was just dry, completely dry. It had only gone completely dry in December. Um, and we sat there just looking at all these trees that were just dying, twisted. Um, and it was just indescribable feeling because you sit there, um, our generation especially, grow, you know, went through schooling, you know, talking about climate change quite a lot. Um, but they always said, you know, 60, 70 years, just act on it now, like do it now. And it's like, no. Nah, this is climate crisis. This is apocalypse. This is this is doomsday for some people, and it's happening now. Like, it's begun. Like, what are we doing? Not to be alarmist, but you know, we have we've got these reports that we've got what twelve years to do something about it. Otherwise, we're screwed. Like, and it's like, unfortunately, the way things happen is that they always hit the most marginalized people first and worst. Mm. And so, and it's yeah. not it's not twelve years for them. Yeah, right, it's and not that's, 12 and that's, and that's not twelve years for
6: them. That's not just gamilaroi you know yeah. that's like any every single mob every person living yeah. in like remote areas yeah rural and that and yeah
0: and also around the world like yeah like yeah, yeah, brown exactly. countries, yeah brown countries and black countries are the yeah. ones that are suffering yeah first that's and right foremost.
7: it's yeah. also like uncanny how much water has been central to like you know Colorado and brown country to flint to native mob like oh. up in turtle island like mm. you know water crisis was also a thing that was brought up a lot in, like, these political discussions, being like, when the water war is going to happen, how is this not a water war already? Um, this is a war on, on people. You're trying to move them off the land or you're trying to kill them. Like, because... They're, they're like- literally
6: the options that they're left with. They
7: yeah. like- you know, we were there and um, there was, like, a sister up there who said, I have heavy suspicions that they want us to die or leave so that they can turn this into a mine or a farm. And so it's like, you know, we've let this go on for so long. Like, the world, you know, mob were able to run this Pretty sweet for at least 200,000 years. And in the last 200, we've got a river that's never dried up, bone dry, dead. Like, it's just, yeah, let's see the science. It's being screamed at us. Like, let's act an and figure out what alternatives we're going to have because, yeah, the government surprised no one when they, you know, did nothing and are doing nothing yeah. and are lukewarm on any solution that they, that they propose. So whatever. We'll show them we'll do it ourselves. Like... And then, you know, what power do you really have if the people are already governing themselves, the people are already, you know, running these communities the way they should be run? You know, they made their own noose. They made their own noose, and they'll hang from it. Like, they did it. Latest guys.
0: <laughs> power to the people. Hey. That's <laughs> it. So we were just listening to uh, Jacob and Harry. We caught up with them last week when they were down in Melbourne uh, from Dispossessed. Um, next up, we have uh, Shakira Hussein, who is a writer and researcher based at uni, or University of Melbourne's Asia Institute. She's also the author of From Victims to Suspects, Muslim Women Since 9-11. Good morning, Shakira. Good morning, Sherrod. I suppose... So it's been almost a week since the attack in Christchurch or the terrorist attack in Christchurch where more than 50 people were gunned down uh, at a mosque praying. Um, I suppose, you know, it's been a pretty hard time, I think, for everyone, um, especially um, amongst community, Muslim community. Um, I suppose... We could start off with um, how has been the rea- reaction, I suppose, since then, especially from you and what you've been seeing. Um, I know we, on Saturday both you and I attended the No to Racism rally uh, at the State Library, um, and and then there was a few others since then. Um, do you want to just maybe start off like, like that, just a bit about maybe what you've seen and sort of reactions that you've seen, um, not only in the media, but, like, around uh, Melbourne? Well,
5: I think so... Sorry, my neighbours kept crashing. Um, Yeah, the reaction from most Muslims and, well, all that I've spoken to has been um, that we knew this was coming, that... We've been braced for this for a long time. I've been looking up the short article that I wrote after the massacre in Otoya, which was of course committed by somebody who stated his motives in anti-Muslim terms but chose uh, leftist um, youth camp and Muslims who died in Otoya were just incidental victims who happened to be there, whereas this was specifically targeted at, at Muslims. But um, after Atoya 2, I wrote that we'd, and that I, and that other Muslims, whenever we were gathered together in numbers, you know, at a visible, visible identifiable Muslim event or venue, we were always, had one eye, um, around, out for the kind of person who sends us hate mail, the kind of person who threatens. us the kind of person who, um, which is a harm, and that we're always braced for that. And now here it is, and it's. Um, but there's anger at the crocodile tears from political and media figures who stoked that hate as well. Mm. Um, and
0: and and also it's it's been happening um, that. Uh, on, as you sort of mentioned in your in your book, it's been happening since sort of nine eleven attacks on Muslims. Yes, like well, what's been but, happening in in brown and black countries, you know?
5: Yes, absolutely. So there's been, you know, huge numbers of Muslim casualties in the war on terror, and um, some of whom the survivors of which have been, of you know. Uh, sought refuge in New Zealand and then died last week in Christchurch but even within the West there's been this slow incremental um of fatalities in Islamophobic attacks but because they haven't been so spectacular and because the perpetrators hadn't um used their social media it is so so, um I hate to so we just say skillfully. Well but um, um they just haven't gained the same degree of attention. There's been like a you know a um, a, um vehicle manslaughter here, a stabbing there, you know, um, like the um attack in in um the, on that mosque in um North London last year by a perpetrator who'd driven there from Wales who said He'd been motivated after watching, um, you know, a program in which Muslim men abused women, you know, and um, and he'd, he'd self-radicalized after watching a documentary on one of the mainstream news channels, BBC or ITV—I don't remember which one. So you actually don't need to go to the dark web to find material that will apparently play into a desire to, to kill Muslims.
0: Um. And there's been a lot of talk about this, um, especially um, since a, a lot of Muslim voices. We've been saying, you know, oh, yeah, we've actually been writing and talking about this for years, for years. Mm. Um, and now sort of the media is kind of responding, uh, sort of mainstream outlets are kind of responding by... Um, by having more, well, you know, quote-unquote Muslim voices. Um, well, and and that's what we've sort of seen. So what have you seen in sort of the responses of of Australian media um, to um, this attack, but more broadly to the conversation around Islamophobia uh, and sort of the propagating of like white supremacist discourse? Like, so, for example, um, giving platforms to people
5: like Pauline Hanson. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, there was... Yes. quite a lot of, privilege of privileging of white voices in the, you know, in, in the response of Christ to Christchurch. I mean, white voices like Donald Albrightson, of course, who are busy saying that um, that racist media coverage did not play a role, and that leftists and 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 usual suspects are just taking advantage of the situation and to you know to, to try to silence their enemies. But aside from that, isn't some of the the volume of op eds by people, white people, talking about how shocked they are and how sad they are, I think i don't know how helpful that is. Not that we don't need allies, you know, and not that they shouldn't be given space to voice that. But you know, is it not maybe a moment for listening rather than a moment for explaining, you know, um, how how bad you feel about it all? And but it, hit, um, it hit their white fragility. Yeah, it is, and it, it seems sort of performative, and um, and about how they feel rather than about how rather than about what might actually help. And it doesn't, I think, do much to address structural racism within the media, you know, and with, within um, progressive or movements that sort of style themselves as being progressive within left-wing parties like the Greens, you know which, okay, has the first Muslim woman um, in, in that name, Taruki, but not enough guys. Mm.
0: Um. Well,
5: not not is what the Oxford comma is vital. I don't mean not enough guys. I mean not enough comma guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't need more of them, do not. <laughs> um. Take those three words and,
0: <laughs> I suppose. Can we talk about these links then? Can we talk about the links between the rhetoric, you know, that not only kills us and the peoples whose land we occupy, um, but how it's, you know, it's part of a system of oppression, you know, it's and it's it's it feeds a capitalist system and a Western empire which relies on white supremacy. Yeah, for
5: me, one of the most moving, if not the most moving. Element of the vigils was the presence of and the words of support from um, Indigenous people. To, um, to, um, whether that's various Aboriginal people who spoke at the vigils and um, and said that their struggle was connected with our struggle. That you know that a society that was built on racism is you know and going to reproduce it against the others. And also, like the haka at the vigil we attended, which was performed, I, I think, visually, largely white New Zealanders, but also some Maori as well. And that, um, and um, yeah, and and from what I read, the Maori support for, you know, the um, survivors and of the Christchurch massacre has also been very strong and very powerful and very moving. So that's been, you know, I'm I'm much, much more hardened by that than by the response from various, you know, prominent, well, I mean, Scott Morrison, of course, is the most obvious um, person to have cried outright crocodile tears how right, to write crocodile
0: tears he's you know I think like there's been a lot of reports on um, like people or, and a lot of tweets on, on, on people sort of like bringing up some old articles about the stuff that he was saying about Muslims
5: yes which he's now which he did he to sue over at the time but he's now threatening to sue about now that there's an election coming and, and that he seems destined to lose now all of a sudden you know to allege that he'd suggested in the party room that they ride riot and anti Muslim racism to victory. Now apparently that's absolutely libels. Um but yeah. So yes, yeah, so Scott Morrison does. but even as I said the Greens and others, um like they, there's you're not you, you sort of, you're just kind of um it's kind of not in our name responsive. It is in your name. And you aren't doing enough suggested that we could work, you know, more extensively with um in particular that Muslim women could work more extensively with women from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. And I was told by a now extremely prominent um, Muslim um media figure that um that 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 would just leave us quite stuck in the corner with the Greens. And we should be allocating ourselves as a conservative religious community, like the Roman Catholic Church, not as a bunch of hippies, you know, who were concerned about Aboriginal issues. And you know, and that, that was one response. But another, but the more commonplace response to raising that concern was that, oh well, that we'll we'll deal with that later. We've got too much on our hands dealing with the racism against our community to be investing energy into worrying about you know, Aboriginal sovereignty as well. And the fact that we're on stolen land, well, you know, um, that, that's we, that's something for the white people to feel guilty about, not us, because mm-hmm. as victims of racism, we can't also be beneficiaries of social colonialism. And I have to say, in these depressing times, one of the things that I take most heart from is seeing the way that... Um, not largely young, but not only young Muslims are working you know against that widespread impulse uh, mm-hmm. um, and are doing productive um work to um to decolonize mm. and to stand in solidarity with with um uh, so people mm. um so and yeah, I, I I I'm not normally one to point to chinks of light. I'm normally one to find the
0: cloud in every silver lining. But but, <laughs> but I think it's an you important, know, if you conversation want to important
5: conversation. And it's yeah, it's an
0: important conversation. It's something that um yeah sorry, we're just gonna have to wrap up as well. But like yeah, I just yeah. want to finish off. It's something that um that uh, for example, Ido, Ido Ali who who spoke at the rally um, on Saturday. And she just reminded us all, you know, um, as Muslims, shouldn't we be following the law on the, you know, for whose people, whose land we're on? And she's mm-hmm. like, well, shouldn't we be following Aboriginal law? And that's exactly what we should be doing. Uh, anyway, Sh- Shakira, I would love to get you back on um, at some point later, but we do have to wrap up. Um, thank you so much for coming on.
5: And thank you for your time, Shereza. Take care. Thanks. You too.
0: That was Shakira Hussain, um, who is a writer and researcher based at the UNIMOB Institute, Asia Institute and the author of v- From Victims to Suspects, Muslim Women Since 9-11. And we've just been talking a bit about the responses that we've seen um, since uh, Christ's church.
1: And next up, we're going to be um, hearing an interview that Uncle Robbie Thorpe did with Zalanak, who was at the Japarong Embassy. So this was an interview done yesterday. Um, and we're going to go straight into that and we'll be chatting with Kate from the Party Project at about quarter past eight.
2: Whether it's hip hop, blues, reggae, jazz, opera, roots, curry or world music you're into, 3CR's music menu is serving it up to you.
9: You're with Music sans frontier music from around Australia and around the world.
2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition
8: of Great Voices. You're listening to Hip Hop on 3CR
0: 855 AM.
6: Music Matters on 3CR 12 noon every Friday.
2: Keep these diverse tunes on the air by subscribing to 3CR. Call nine four one nine eight three double seven.
3: The news people shout, a new style is boy.
4: We've got Zelenak from uh, the Jabwarong embassy on the western highway there protecting the trees. Zelenak, how you going, brother?
2: Hey, Anki, Nyakinan. Nan. Uh, Right uh, deadly,
4: mate. Oh, yeah, what a what a solid little uh, day you had yesterday, there. Um, I'm not um I haven't been able to get on as much um internet as I could, but uh, I'm following the story and it's um looking amazing at the moment. And I just want to say how proud of I am of all you is there standing up strong, what are uh, Thank you very much,
2: Uncle. Um, yeah, it was it was a uh, proud little historic day yesterday for the um. Yeah, us mob of the Japarong um and and all of our supporters um, yeah, it, was a, it was a wonderful gratifying little day yesterday um but we do know that this war is not over <laughs> this attack's not over on us they have been uh, the police have been uh, heavily present around uh they've been you know, we've spotted them uh, surveillancing, um camps and uh taking video footage and surveillance of us um this morning. So um, and the horse flights we've seen uh, travelling around um up near where um the uh, the, um, the, the blue was yesterday yeah um, so yeah with 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 that um
4: is it you've got security and safety issues because of this and you, no, are you worried I'm about where people are travelling in town and
2: oh it's definitely a safety it's definitely a safety yeah. issue uncle its it's a breach of the peace to be to be quite honest are we're getting it's a breach of our human right, uncle as you absolutely. Mate.
4: Are we getting uh, copies of their numbers and addresses and and things like that? Um, these people are. aren't the authority here. they should not be told yeah right that's
2: now. correct. So what we are doing is um, we're going around with um, pen and paper yeah cool and um, and we're um, documenting um, their um their names yes. and their badge numbers yes. um, because we do know that if anything um, or any any land is harmed or, or any one of us are harmed in any way shape or form, um, they will be charged um for conspiracy. Uh, and aiding and abetting and, a cons- and charged for conspiracy um, with the, uh, the Australian government um, to commit and cause genocide once again upon our people. Yeah,
4: you know, and many
2: other things you could charge That's them. with. exactly them right. To, you know, like... Many others, treason, many other things, yeah. Uncle. Who's,
4: who, you know, Daniel Andrews must be behind this move. You know, it's, oh, he, it's a big um, exercise to move a lot of cops up there like that with, uh, you know, camp them there have all the machinery they need and horses and dogs and, and you know, Someone told me they had AK-47s there. Yeah. Oh, they've,
2: they've 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 spent um you know they've spent quite you know quite a quite a few uh, quite a lot of taxpayers' dollars in terms of um uh, the operation uh, for them yesterday, um, with all the forces they had, with all the brute force that they had, their guns and and and, and all all of that. Um, you know we here we are just peaceful people. Um, no 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 weapons of any sort. The only weapons we had was you know was. Was our our peace and our strength and our love and, and our wisdom and and, 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 and that our culture? What,
4: that's exactly what it was like 250 years ago in this country. It's the same setup. They came with the guns, standing over us, telling us to move off our own land. Yeah. And you know, and destroying it, and raping, and pillaging, and plundering. What do they get? And particularly these sites, they history target our sites, itself. it seems, because they want to erase our our history and our heritage. And, and um, so we've got no connection to it. That's what they're doing here, and that's what they've always done.
2: Yes, exactly right.
4: So is is any sign of the federal government around? Because this legislation is a, a funny piece of legislation, is cultural heritage protection, inverted commas.
2: It, it certainly is. You know, we've, got all, we've got all the protection. We've got all the, all the heritage protection.
4: You'd you know, need, yeah, but it doesn't we, work.
2: You, you could possibly need, you know, but uh, quite honestly in this country, as we've seen over and over and over again, history's repeating itself. So it obviously means that, you know, uh, the, we, we've just got to stay on the front lines, yeah. And and we've just got to continue, um, you. You know, to, fight us, you. to fight I love for us, to fight for our way, fight for our people, fight for our children. Um, I had a little for cousin, our ancestors. Yeah, a little you cousin their blood here. Little cousin, um, little Isaiah, um, Montalto yesterday. Little cousin, yeah. um, man, Eunice's, you um, know, great grandson. Yeah. Um, uh, sent me a message uh, yesterday. Best part of uh, maybe five, six, seven, eight years old. Um, becoming a very, very, um, you know, integral young future leader in terms of culture, he sent me a message yesterday um, of support and love and, and how much you know I've, uh, I've inspired him.
1: Yeah. Um, he's inspired us all.
2: And um, so I'm, I'm going to take that with me today. Um, and 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 he's given me, a, you know, a lot more strength for, for for another ten months if if that's what it takes for us to be on this front line, um, to to save save country and give country the duty. you've done the hard work. And so the due I'm diligence that it, that it
4: deserves. You mob there have done this hard work. You've broken yeah, back our this back of this. You know what might be a good call? To call all the kids who march on the street for climate change. Invite them to the site. There's eight miles there, isn't there? Oh,
2: well, 12 and, and kilometres, yeah. So about.
4: if we invite all the kids from around Victoria who are marching for climate to come and sit there with us, you know, we can teach them a lot of the Dreamtime stuff and how important Definitely so. this stuff is. And, you know, once we get all those kids are the people here, once they're aware, because the education in this country is woeful, and it's all by design, you know, uh, they've yeah. kept the truth away from the people. Yeah, the narrative's not so, correct. Yeah. No one can tell you what the narrative is yeah. in this country. That's why we're fighting every uh, 26th of January, whether it was a peaceful settlement or an invaded land. Yeah. And it's not hard to determine, surely. Uh, pre- I'm sure the kids could understand. In, in
2: many higher courts. It's just this, this, this government's just not willing to own up to its history. That's right.
4: And that denialism that it's, that it's is written everyone.
2: You know, that it's living today. No, it's living proof of its own history. So yeah, yeah, and that sort of
4: denialism at that level, Zelenag, is you know, constitutional racism. And it's, it's, it's a, a denialism, which is a, like a mental illness that the country has. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's a psychotic illness. It is. You
2: know, it's a psychopath. You
4: know, and it's that demeans that and like diminishes that. everyone in the country. Yeah, we need to heal that. And you know, I think the problem is that because of what they've done in this country, not owning up to it, the ancestor spirits are angry. So we've got to heal that. We've got to acknowledge that what they went through. Otherwise, nothing's going to nothing's going to heal. And that's why I think it's so important to be under bundle there on that land there. It's it's you
2: know. Let's oh, definitely, so. let um, create
4: that church there, buddy. You've, you've you've built the foundations for our church under bundle. That's what it is, aren't,
2: You know, church under bundle. You, you know, their religious one. belief what I've been trying to educate lots and lots of you know non-Indigenous people about. You know, paint a picture
4: for what it's like there right now, bros. Uh, um, who's on the camp? Has, have you got enough support there in terms of people a, on a the ground?
2: It's a very uniting fun. Um, people are starting to turn up because we're not taking any chances. No, don't, so don't if, trust him. Ever. Uh, at the end of the day, um, Major Roads and Vic Roads and Ministers and that and haven't given us concrete proof um, that there will be a, you know a 60-day reprieve under the section... Uh, 18, um, and also under, under, you know, under section nine, which only gives us 48 hours. So under, under those two, um, we haven't, we haven't got, um, concrete proof. Um, and with, with the, the, the presence around today, um, and their early presence, um, I, I've decided to not take any chances. I've decided to call, um, the mob back to country. Yep. Um, done, so that we can, uh, make sure that we've done our due diligence. Yes. And if and if they were to, you know, worst case scenario, they were to storm the property, at least we are here and ready and waiting. Yeah, brother. Um, and if they don't, well, it, well um, we know that uh, we've gained a little bit of respect out of that by, uh, from one another, first and foremost, yeah. um, and then a bit of respect from, from our opposition.
4: Yes, I think so. I think you're even going to get support from the wider community as well. Yes, you know, so definitely. I think Ararat's going to turn around and all these other little country towns. You know, what have they got? You know, the best thing, The best asset you know, they got is that culture there.
2: Yeah, not exactly raping right. and pillaging. The, um, you know, the, the times have So, um, so yeah. this
4: this government here and um, Gavin Jennings, the, he he used to be the minister of, of our affairs once before. This Gabar Gavin Jennings. Yeah, yeah. and we, we, gave, Scotland, we gave him his job. Right? We gave him his first managing job in our community. affairs. Right, this is what they do, and and that's a he's part of the the premier. The, uh, Remembrance Department as well. Yeah, this, that's right. heritage legislation. You know, it's really tight, these
2: fellas. Well, know. he's one of the ones that our women, uh, as you would know, our women of country, of, of the Japanese country, have requested to meet with him.
4: That's right, Demand.
2: So it. it's up to demand him to to his, show his due course and to show an some sort of respect and, and adhere to their demand. That's right. Let's
4: hear what you've got to say, Gavin, because he he done the dirty on us back in the day with, the, right. with the sovereignty, self-determination, uh, community control. Our, and our
2: mob gave him his first job back in the day. That's right. Yeah, where did it go? he's forgetting where who, who started him off. That's right.
4: He came off the back of Centrelink. He's one of the part of the Centrelink tribe, like others around the place. Exactly you know. right.
2: So you know, they need, need not to forget where they come from. And he set up the heritage. Council,
0: and he set, up the, Com- C- and he set up the heritage council in its current form, including changing cultural heritage protection in 2006 after Camp sovereignty. So on it goes in yeah, terms well, of the degradation of, of
3: those protective laws, well, it's about time. such that they are.
2: It's about time. If you're here, if you're listening to this Gavin Jennings, um women of my country, the Japan country have requested that you uh get out of here, show your respect, show your due diligence, show your professionalism within yourself, and uh, and and hear what hear what hear what our women of this country have, have got to say.
4: He's got a duty to do that. That's he's right. the, he's the Minister of administrator of our affairs on behalf of the the British Crown here, right? So he's got an obligation, like the Gabar General has too. They're the people we should be talking to, the Premier, the Gabar General and the, the Minister administrating mm-hmm. our affairs. You know, he's, yeah, he's so. this this Mr uh, Gavin Jennings has been right in between. He came, he came to Camp Sovereignty back in 2006 and out of the 40,000 people who walked around the fire, he was the only one who said he felt intimidated and felt like he was burning up inside. Yeah, this guy's so got he, to be dealt with. Well, know, the, he's uh, an evil amongst this Victoria totally State Government. Around. All right, bros. Look, um, yeah. put the call out there. What can people do? How, they, how can they support? You know, this is so getting down um, to the end of the day, and it's at, you know, at the on the know. At the end of the day, if
2: you're, uh, if you're not here on the front line here, um, you need to be on the front line somewhere else. Um, yes. I can tell you where some of those front lines are. Um, one's here at the Japong Country. One's up at Kabobini, up in Portland. Um, the brothers that, that come down here yesterday um, to support us in our endeavours are on the front line up at Kabobini. Yep. Um, and, and they... they um, they actually copped an attack yesterday. Did they? Um, some, of the, some of the mob, were all of the mob up there protecting that country were um, taken into custody um, and uh, police uh, seized um, lots of their um, personal belongings that belonged to them.
4: Send me a number um, for them, bros, and I'll, uh, I'll try to ring them and see what the story is and get it out here.
2: Yeah, no, it was Uncle Albert Hartnett and Mitchie Slabs? Okay, um, Uncle I know Albert. Johnny Green.
4: Yep, cool, yep, cool.
2: Um, at the Victorian, they, they call it the Victorian um, Aboriginal Embassy up there in Portland. Okay,
4: yeah, now they're all important, the embassies, you know, I was thinking the other they day are. that every one of our, our tribal mobs needs a camp sovereignty on that country so we can do the business we need to do. Yes, that's correct. And uh, that's under our law, and uh, it's the oldest law on the planet. You know, what's the problem with this country? We can resolve all these issues, just not having got the chance, and we haven't got our land to sit on either to do the the healing and the, and the and medicine work that we need to do for ourselves and everyone else. Yeah. So, come on, bros. I really agree that we are, all of these uh, protest sites is the, is the sovereign embassies or the, the camp sovereignties, And yeah, that can happen really easy yeah, and just lighting a so. fire and sitting around the oldest council yeah. on the planet. So,
2: and and if, if worse, I don't come and storm the property today. At least we can now uh, have a ceremony, which is well overdue. Yes. Um, and, have, uh, and, and, and have some time amongst us around ceremony and, and around the corroboree. we would deadly. So any brothers that are, you know, I want to come and have a let's um, get it going. But well, sing it we, up, brothers. Keep speaking, singing solid. Past again. Keep,
4: so, keep singing up, man. You've done an incredible as job. As I'm
2: speaking, police are driving past again the unit. Yeah.
4: Well, get their numbers, rank and serial number. Yeah. Uh, photograph them. Let's surveil them, profile them.
2: Yeah, and uh, make
4: sure yeah. that they're out there and to see what Australia really is from there. And these, are,
2: these are not just these are not just police normal normal nine to no, five no, police cars, these no. are critical response units. Yeah,
4: ASIO. And, and
2: no, these are these are the army army mob coming okay. in. Okay.
4: Are they prepared to do that, are they? Yeah. You know, didn't they didn't learn anything from the you know the No, uh, they haven't learned anything from over the over there history. in New Zealand, Christchurch, they're you know, massacring people, innocent people. No, Australia no, no. wouldn't have a clue. The no, country's no. built on massacring innocent people, terrorist acts, yeah. genocide policies, Actually, resource
2: theft. Morning, Mum, Sandra. How are you?
4: I'm too deadly, my brother. You want to give Auntie Sandra a rave? Yeah, I will. All right, mate. Thank keep, keep, keep it going, brother.
2: Take care, my uncle. I'll oh, well,
4: and this, this line's open for you, mob. Yeah, all your mob hour we got
2: um, yeah, get up and show your support to um, the front lines. But this is about us. Anyone who, anyone who hasn't been on the front line is one of us mob, um, don't worry about hanging your head in shame. Just get off your backside and, and, and get on the land with the mob with your people because at the end of the day, once this government's finished with you, I guarantee us, us mob will welcome you back in, with open arms.
4: As i have always done.
2: And remember one thing, my people... You are all my inspiration for all the heartache and all the trauma and all everything. This government's trying to do you mob. You mob inspired me every single day to be who I am.
4: Stand, stand strong, Zelenak. Love you, my brother.
2: Take care, my uncle.
4: Okay, mate. Nakin. Nakin.
0: So that was Zelenak from the Draparang Embassy speaking there with Robbie Thorpe. And you can catch Fire Fist every Wednesday from 11 a.m. And stay tuned to 3CR for more updates on the fight to protect the sacred trees up in Japarong country. Um, And there's been a call out from the embassy, the Japarong embassy, um, and there's three urgent actions required. Um, And the first one is sort of attend top camp, donate funds to the embassy, or contact government, or or, I shouldn't say or, and contact government and relevant figures uh, to spread the word. And you can find out more on the Japarong embassy Facebook page.
1: And now we're really lucky to be joined in the studio by Kate, Dan and Gaia from The Party Project. So, Dan, I might just throw over to you. Can you give us a bit of a background on The Party Project and where it's come from?
3: Yeah, so um, it's a collaborative uh, project between Star Health and Thorn Harbour Health. Um, The funding came out as a response to uh, dealing with overdose within communities, um, specifically relating to three fatal overdoses um, that happened Two years ago now. Um, and I guess uh, the funding came out in order to, you know, how what would a community response look like um, in regards to these people who've taken um, dodgy substances? Pill testing is not a um, thing that exists in an accessible way right now. So, how else can we respond um, within the community? So, it, it began by training venues and late night staff, um, late night venue staff, how to respond to overdose. Um, because that, that's definitely something that came out of, of that event, that um, people felt kind of um, not prepared or they didn't have capacity to respond in that way. Um, and we've since expanded to doing uh, what's called peer training, which um sort of aims to empower people who use party drugs uh, in a way that um, they feel they can reduce harm um, with their use. Yeah.
1: And on Thursday breakfast, we've been, we've actually been having quite a few chats with people around pill testing and harm reduction more broadly. Guy, if I could just ask you to sort of speak a bit about the
9: importance of harm reduction. Um, I think harm reduction is so important because it's really like a realistic approach. You know, we all know that drugs are a part of society and, you know, there's a whole spectrum from people who use drugs in, I guess, what you call a recreational setting, but also people that have more long-term substance dependency issues. And I think, um, you know, we really have to be realistic and um, acknowledge the fact that this does happen and, and find ways that we can make, I guess a whole range of spaces safer so that people are less likely to um, to experience harms from these drugs. So I guess, you know, in our harm reduction approach is looking at um, harm reduction in the nightclub and how we can make nightclubs and late-night venues safer spaces for people who do choose to use these sorts of substances um, and, yeah, not necessarily trying to Discourage drug use, but actually just meeting them where they're at and giving them, um, you know, a little bit of uh, acknowledging that they have, you know, autonomy and that they are able to make their own choices and just empowering that, them to do that more safely. Yeah amazing.
1: And so what does what does the party project or session actually look like? Kate, okay, if you can make because you know I found out about you through a friend's Instagram actually. Like, I don't have Instagram myself. Um but a mate was like, "Hey, this looks really cool. You might want to chat with these guys." Um and it's a really incredible platform for peer education. Can you speak a bit about what was the um decision to sort of use Instagram and other social media as your main uh platform for education and what folks can expect?
8: Yeah, well SESHED, I guess has become our peer arm um, of the project. So um the way that we can talk to our peers and, and people who yeah, who use drugs, particularly when they party. Um and we really wanted a way where we could were able to reach more people. Um and so we we've been using Facebook um, for a while now to communicate, but we decided to get on Instagram and really just change the language we use and made it really, I guess, accessible and clear that, you know, that we are peers talking to, you know, our our other peers. Um, and what's so great about Instagram is I guess it's very visual as well. And so we were able to communicate, um, you know, not only through the language we use, but also you know, visually um, that that it, this is really youth-focused and we are not, you know, people talking down at you, telling you don't do drugs because, you know, they're bad, but you know, that, um, you know, we're the same as you and we just want to, you know, um, share this information with you um, that is is actually really hard to access, to access so much of this information of, of just how to take... Um, how to be more safe, um, how to reduce harm, how to, you know, look after yourself. And because people do, they want to know this stuff, they want to stay safe. But they also, you know, lots of people also choose to take drugs too. And so if you give people this information that um, in a way that they believe and they can trust you, that you're actually, um, you know, that the information is true and you're not just lying to them, um, then... Then people will, will do take it on board. And so, you know, just being able to share tips, you know, um, straight into people's pockets, because we know people are using Instagram. We know people are, you know, checking stories. So, um, the long weekend has just been and we, there were three major festivals on. So we were able to just share tips on, on way people can, could prepare for these festivals, um, things to keep in mind at the festival, how to make a drug plan, what drugs, you know, are dangerous, um, you know when taken together um, and just you know get that get that information to people as they're you know on the way in the car with their friends, hopefully even talking to their friends about it, talking to each other about you know what their drug plans are um, and you know able to in- continue on that peer to peer drug education
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and I guess, you know, on Thursday breakfast, we often we talk about abolition a lot, prison abolition. Um, And so I did actually just want to ask around, you know, we know that criminalisation doesn't make folks safer, you know. And so I think one thing that seems really also awesome about this project is that it is recognising that actually education and community support is a way to reduce harm, not you know, criminalising people and saying, don't do this, this is bad, you know, lock people up who use drugs, but actually that, you know, if people are empowered to have more access to knowledge around, you know, ways of being safer when using drugs, that that actually leads to really, you know, tangible and amazing outcomes in terms of when people are out partying on the weekend. So a little side rant. But what I did want to ask... I think we've got time for a few more questions, Um, around the sort of the disproportionate impacts on LGBTIQ people and communities. A couple of weeks back, we spoke with Thorn Harbour Health around the proposed ban on AML, or POPPERS. And so (laughs) I was wondering if one of you um, would like to talk about, I guess, your work, particularly in relation to LGBTIQ communities and experiences.
8: Well, I guess historically the lgbtIq community has been really good at peer education um, but oh, and so I guess social media is uh, you know a further extension of that, but at the same time um, you know this community um, you know that drug use is a lot higher in this community for for a number of reasons um, and the um, while we do have a really great history of of um, sharing knowledge through peer education. There are also a lot of people in our community who who are very isolated, and so um, you know to be able to, I guess it's really important to work out ways um, that we can share this information that that is goes beyond just sharing the information person to person, you know, in person, IRL, and to, to be able to utilize the internet um, to to get this information you know into people's you know homes, into their bedrooms. Um, I think is really important. Yeah. And because I think we probably have to
1: wrap up, so I was wondering, Guy or Dan, could you tell us about the free training that you're running next week, and how people can find out more?
9: Yeah, absolutely. So as part of kind of launching our SeshEd Instagram, which is sesh.ed, um, we're doing a peer-to-peer training at Revolver Nightclub on the 27th, Wednesday the 27th of March at 6.30 p.m. So um, you can register by through our Eventbrite link. You can go on our Party Project Facebook page or the SeshEd Ed. Um, Instagram and we'll talk about, um, safer partying and, um, yeah, it'll be a really great night. So hopefully see some of you there. And Party Project is spelled P-A-R-T-I project. Yes,
8: important point. <laughs> <laughs> I was Googling it, I'm like, where is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, Dan,
1: Gaia and Kate for joining us this morning to talk about harm reduction and the Party Project. Do check them out.
8: Thanks so a thank lot for you. having us.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's a wrap on Thursday breakfast. Yeah. We were just chatting with, um, the Party Project. Earlier on, we, um, Sherry spoke with Shakira. We also heard some audio from Uncle Robbie Thorpe chatting with Zalanak at the Japoung
0: protest and um, earl- oh yeah. yeah, and before that we were just we caught up with <laughs> dispossessed last week, and so we just played a, a bit of that. Um, but more importantly, um, just to end the show, um, the Japarang Embassy uh, needs our support. Uh, you can follow them on Facebook, so Japarang Embassy. Uh, if you just Facebook search that, that should come up.
1: And also to let people know that Istja is running an event tonight around, um, you know, you would have heard that Annie Tanya Day's inquest has been continuing this week, so her daughters, Blinda Stevens and April Day, will be talking at the Solidarity Salon. I think it's at 6.30 tonight in Brunswick. Um, so do jump on Facebook to find out the
0: details and hope to see you there. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia.